0: how buddy, how we doing? Hey, if you are new and you're tuning in online or you're in the building uh, and we've never met before, my name is Steve and it's really good to meet you. Thanks for being here. But you need to know this. It's uh, you being here this morning is like you walking into a movie theater at the very last scene in the movie. So you've missed out on a couple of things. You can go on the website and stream our, our series to get caught up. But essentially we're talking about the good stuff that has happened after Easter. And there's a lot of it. And so if you're sitting here and you're like, wait, what was that? I kind of missed it. Something's unclear. It's because we're at the tail end of this thing. Um, how many of you, you've ever been on the outside of an inside joke? Yep. And you're like, I don't, I don't get it. That seems a little that you may be feeling that way today. And it's funny when you're in church, Christians were, were somewhat oblivious to this a little bit. Um, if you grew up in the church, I'm going to list off a couple of phrases that make complete sense to you. If you did not grow up in the church or you're new to Christianity, Jesus, church, all that stuff, you're going to be horribly confused and slightly disgusted. Okay. But we all have these phrases that make perfect sense to us. You have this in your family system. You have this in your work environment. And we have this in the church. We hear these things and we go, yeah, of course. And other people who are on the outside are like, what? What in the world? For example, because I know you want to know. Um, when Christians, we love to talk about being washed with the blood of the lamb. That's disgusting. Do you know what I mean? To someone who has no idea what that means, they're like, that's that's really gross. They take that literally. Like, I don't want to ever go to your church on Sunday. Um, We talk about being born again, right? And people have taken a health class. They're like, that's not, it doesn't work that way. Um, Christians like to talk about our walk. Like, how's your walk? Doesn't seem weird. No one is like, no, that's weird. People don't ask how you're like, oh, my leg's a little sore. No, it's not that at all, Right. Some of you are like the walk, like in my kitchen for meals. No, not even that. Uh, a couple other examples. we um, Things we pray for, traveling mercies. I promise you non-Christians have never talked about that. When I get on this airplane, what I really want right now is traveling mercies. They, they don't say that. They want good service and no turbulence. That's what they want, right? Um, we like to talk about our wilderness experiences in life. And if they're really difficult, if we're in a very difficult season, what do we pray for? A hedge of... Yeah, you prayed for it too. And we know perfectly what all those words make. They make perfect sense to us. But I'm telling you, people on the outside, they're like a hedge of protection in the season of life that you're in as you're going through your traveling mercies. What? <laughs> and again, the blood of the lamb and washing and don't even get me started on communion, right? It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you and I both know this. If things don't, if they're not clear, if they don't make sense to us, they become Irrelevant. There's just, that doesn't pertain to my life. I don't quite understand. You remember this in high school or junior high, you had a math class. Anyone take pre-cal and you're like, I don't understand what in the world. And why won't they let me use a calculator? So they're like, well, you need to be prepared when you don't have a calculator. It's like, when will I ever not have a calculator? I can do these things, right? Uh, in English, remember you had to read that great literary work, that novel. And it like, it changed the genre, right? This was the book to be all books. And you read, you're like, I I could care less about Romeo and Juliet. I just, it doesn't make any, I guarantee you, if we were to watch like Iron Man or Romeo and Juliet, which theater would be packed? Thank you. Right. You just don't care. And and to to be, uh, if I could poke us all a little bit um, to get a little too close to home. Um, We do this in, those of you who have devotional times, we do this in our, our quiet time this morning. I promise you, the vast majority of Christians are not doing their quiet time in the book of Revelation. Oh, got real quiet, didn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, "Watch this! I'm going to pull up right now my U-version Bible, Revelation." No, you're not. And you know why? It's not relevant to you. Because if it was relevant, we would do it. See, we tend to focus on all your Google searches, by the way. Those are relevant to you. All the things you're not googling is because it's not relevant to you. And here's what's fascinating. I think in the church we've had this uh, we've had this slide for years now of the gospel not being relevant to society. Because if it were relevant to society, I think society would be radically different. So we have to do something about this. Because it just, you know, and a lot of people, they've seen the bumper stickers, the t-shirts. A lot of people in America know John 3.16. But it doesn't match up with their life. It's as if it's not relevant. And it's happening in the world, it's happening in our nation, it's happening in Washington, it's happening in our backyard. There's a church in in Linden that did uh, this study, I want to say it's about five years old, I I haven't gone through all of it yet, I'm still working through it. But I want to boil it down, and and we just need to read this. Within the last five years in Linden, 33% of people in Linden attend church regularly. Not every week, but regularly. Of the 33% that do, few believe... Jesus Christ is the only way to get into heaven. We'll pause for dramatic effect. Um, When I was, about a a year and a half ago now, wow, uh, praying about and searching and reading about Lyndon, that's not what came up. The stereotype is you better have a good lawn and love Jesus. Because everybody does. That's what that's what you need to be in Linden. And th- this is trouble for for those of us who are not Christians. Um, and and you read this stat and you see, and you're in here and you see yourself in this. I, I'm so excited you're here. I'm so glad you're here, whether in the building or online, because um, we need to talk about this. Because somewhere along the line, the gospel, well, people deemed it to be not relevant to their life. They've taken this truth and said, "Eh, we'll see." But for those of us that call ourselves Christians, we see this stat and we go, oh no. And what this tells me, especially in in a city that at one point held the Guinness Book of World Records for the most churches per capita. This tells me we have a lot of empty church buildings. And we're not carrying out the Great Commission. So we have some work that we have to do. So the Great Commission, let me read it for us. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 uh, verse 19 through 20 says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And get this. And teaching them to obey what? Everything. All of it. Everything that Jesus has commanded you. And listen to this. This last part is great. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What I think the American church has done, and I, I think, you know, we belong to this whole big church thing. Um, we have substituted disciple making for faith sharing. And, and here, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Follow me for a second. Okay, here, here's a question that um, I grew up being asked when we were going to go and evangelize to people. It's this, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? This is a good question. Every single human being needs to wrestle with this question. But here's what else we found out. Um, people are going to take their odds. They're going to play the chance that they are not going to die tonight and they are going to wake up tomorrow, aren't they? So we have to wrestle with this. We need an answer to this question, but I'm telling you, this is not the question that people are asking who do not know Jesus. They're like, I'm not, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about dying, especially when you're young because you're invincible, right? Like you could get your arm chopped off and you're like, it's fine. We'll glue it back on. It'll be fine. Let's play baseball tomorrow, right? Like it's just not thinking that way. Now, as you get older, you know, death, you start thinking about it a little bit more, but but society's not asking this question. It's not a relevant question to them. Instead, I think we ought to ask this question. If you don't die tonight, what are you going to do about tomorrow? See, the first question has everything to do with evangelism. If, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going to go? No, I don't know. Well, Jesus. John 3.16, right? God loves you. If you believe in him when you die, you have eternal life. We go, okay, correct. It's not, it doesn't naturally flow into discipleship. It can but it doesn't naturally flow. This question right here, if you don't die tonight, you're still stuck with the junk you're working through. What are you going to do about that tomorrow? Great question. Can I offer you a solution? It's Jesus. And sometimes, I I started by saying, sometimes we use words that we don't fully understand. Sometimes in church, we use the word disciple and we don't understand it. Disciple is simply a student. So when Jesus is saying, I want you to go into the world and make students of everybody... I want you to baptize them like we just did. And I want you to teach them everything that I have said. That's a long list. Which means that Jesus has something to say to every aspect of our lives. And it gets better. He says, as you're doing these things, as you are becoming a student of mine and learning how to live this life like I would, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. So, if you don't die, what are you going to do about tomorrow? My answer, and I hope everyone's answer, is I'm going to trust Jesus with every ounce and aspect of my life. Because in, in my relationships, Jesus wants to teach me how to do those. When I'm at work, he wants to teach me how to have a good work ethic, how to relate to coworkers. As I'm raising kids, pick any, your, your finance, like, pick any category in your life, and Jesus will show you the way. He will show you the best way to live this. Why? Because he's the creator of everything. He would know. Jesus, what do I do in these tumultuous relationships where there's there's just tension? He'll show you. See, this leads to discipleship. Th- this makes Jesus relevant because it's not just something that gets taken care of when I die one day. Like if you're in high school, it doesn't work for you. <laughs> you're like I'm 16, I've got decades. But I'll tell you one thing: I can't stand my parents. I'm confused about who I am and my identity. My relationships at school are frustrating. I'm exposed to this world online through social media and I have no idea what to do with it because everyone's life looks perfect and mine, if I'm honest, is a hot mess. What do I do? Now we have a conversation, don't we? Now we can talk about Jesus. And not just the forgiveness of your sins and salvation when you die, but help today. This becomes incredibly relevant to them. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, how do we actually do this? How do we accomplish these things? And... To what, to what extent? We need, we need a roadmap, don't we? We need a way to figure this out. So, if you have a Bible, we're gonna look at the Apostle Paul and his approach. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of formulas. I like to have conversations and just kinda see where they go. But I, I think it's very helpful to have some sort of roadmap or a guideline or something to follow. So, if you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 17. And let me give you a little bit of context here, as you're flipping over there. So, Acts chapter 17, Paul and his companions are in Thessalonica. They recruit basically a large number of Greeks, both men and women, to go follow Jesus, right? Not just put their faith in him, but follow his teachings, right? Full discipleship. But there's also this uprising of religious Jewish leaders that do not like Paul or his message of Jesus and that whole gospel. And they say, no, 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 not in my town, right? Not here, not now. So they go and they run him out of town. And Paul goes, all right, deuces, I'm out. And he goes to Berea, does the same thing. But that sect from Thessalonica that are angry with him, follow him down there and it gets heated to the point where Paul's friends go, look, okay, hey, we got to ship you off over here and let this whole thing die down. It's just, we got to cool off and relax. Everyone take a pill. We're going to be okay. So you're going to go to Athens and I want you to hang tight in Athens and then Paul or, and, and Silas and Timothy will come to you. We'll, we'll catch up with you in a little bit. We just, we need to diffuse the situation. So if you're Paul and you're hanging out in Athens, what do you do? You'll find out. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, just hanging out with his friends, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So like what everyone would do, he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Do you get it? So he's supposed to lay low, just hang out. And he goes, nope, this is bothering me. Let's go talk about it. We're going to go to the churches of the day and talk about it there. We're going to go to the business market. We're going to disrupt that. We're going to have these conversations with anyone who's going to listen to me. And then verse 18, a group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Now, these are two categories, two different philosophies, two classes, if you will. The Epicureans, in short, their thought was this, that true pleasure and not absolute truth, that was their goal. So just pleasure, not truth. They valued experience rather than reason some of you sound like your college years (laughs) i just whatever's gonna make me happy i don't care then you have the stoics the exact opposite happiness and blessedness is found in accepting the moment as it presents itself by not allowing oneself to be controlled by the desire for pleasure or by the fear of pain two totally different camps two totally different worldviews, two totally different conversations. And here's Paul going, let's talk about Jesus. I'm not going to address this one. I'm not going to address this one. I'm going to show you Jesus. And they don't know what to do with it. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul is preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Not just the resurrection, but the life, the person of Jesus, how he walked, how he talked, the things he did, the things he said, the healing, the miracles, the life of Jesus and the resurrection of the full package. Verse 19, then they took him and brought him to a meeting place of Areopagus. This is on this hillside over there where they would come, they would debate and just philosophize and feel really smart. Uh, when they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting, You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. And then I love a little parentheses, right? All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing by talking about and listening to the latest ideas. In other words, you lazy. Now, with the rest of this passage, we're going to simply outline Paul's sermon. So I'm going to give you the, the... Basically, the caption, the outline up front, and then we'll read the text. Okay, so get your notes, and we're going to go somewhat fast. Um, Here's Paul's approach. Number one, he acknowledged and began with the cultural values. He acknowledged and began with their cultural values. He didn't start with, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. He started by addressing their things. Verse 22, you'll see it right here, right? Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way. You are very religious. These are spiritual people, right? They're philosophizing about all these things. They're religious people. He's giving them a compliment. It's like me walking up going, people of Linden, I see that your lawns are very green and well manicured. You're like, oh, well, thank you. That feels good, right? Like you feel the compliment. You're like, thank you. Who doesn't want to hear that, right? Verse 23, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So number two, you'll see this in a second. He explained who God is and what he does. Started with their cultural references, their value systems. And then he talks about who God is and what he does. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. So he creates. Verse 25. And he is not served by human hands. As if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So you have a God who gives. You have a God who creates. Verse 26. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Okay, so now God creates, he gives, and he appoints time. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us, he wants to be found for in him. We live, we move and have our being. In other words, he sustains life. The the sum of life is found in God. This is fascinating because remember they're, they're spiritual. They're very religious. They have statues to all sorts of gods. And Paul is saying, Jesus cares about you. Your God's They don't care about you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to be found by you. Your gods want nothing to do with you. Do do you see the contrast? You guys are over here debating and having these conversations. Let me interject Jesus right here. You have a God who cares for you, who loves for you, who wants an intimate relationship with you. Your gods could care less about you. They fight and they argue and you think you have to somehow appease them and do some magical formula, some special sacrifice, and then the gods will be happy until they're not. He goes, let me tell you who God is and what God does. Number three, he refers to their cultural influencers. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. So he's quoting from, from leading thought leaders of the day. From people who think about things that are well-known, they have some um, clout, if you will. And he's saying, remember those guys? They're your own people, right? Look, they've said this, right? We're his offspring. He's speaking the language of the people. Number four, he shares the gospel. And we'll read it in a second. He shares the gospel. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. An image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, right? To change your mind, to rethink your thinking. If you're thinking this way, repent and think a different way. Verse 31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And number five, he shares the resurrection as proof to back up these claims says, look, God exists. Here's the truthfulness. Here's what he talked about, the reality of sin. There's going to be judgment. There's a need for repentance. He shares all these things. And he says, look, these things are simply true because Jesus predicted his death and resurrection and pulled it off. What more proof do you need? The last section right there it says he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And look how they responded. This is Paul, the missionary. The great Paul, writer of over half the New Testament, he plants churches over the whole known world. Listen to how they all respond. This is incredible. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them what? (laughs) They sneered. Yeah, God loves us. He provides. Okay, I'm with you. And then he conquered death and resurrected. No, he didn't. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And some of you, online and in the room, some of us that call this place church, we're still wrestling with that. If we're honest, I I love this passage because Paul didn't hit a home run. He got some, as we'll read in a moment. But there are a lot of people that went. "Mm," And listen, friends, if Paul is experiencing opposition and being mocked, you can bet that you and I will experience that. This is a big hurdle. This is why I'm going to suggest in a moment, sneak peek, that we don't start with the resurrection. We get there, we cover it, but maybe we don't start there. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. He didn't hit a home run. The Lord didn't add to their number 3,000. He got some. He got some. And this is just a quick sidebar, but friends, you don't have to change the world. You simply need to find one person and try and change their world and allow them to pay that forward. I love this. I think this is fascinating. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. It's not, we don't have much, but um, I want to walk through Paul's method his framework, if you will, and apply it to our modern day context. You ready? This is so important because because if we screw this up, that stat that I threw up there earlier, that will continue. And you, you and your friends may not have this issue, but I promise you, your children are having these conversations. Did that really happen? The resurrection. I'm good for loving people and that feels great. And, you know, forgiveness. Yeah, if I feel like it. But the resurrection, yeah. So, so we we have, we have to be able to talk about these things. This is an issue of discipleship, like we talked about earlier, and not just remembering facts. This is really, really important. So, okay, number one, right? He acknowledged and began with their cultural values. Right? With their cultural values. He didn't begin with, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Is that true? Yes, it is. Am I a sinner? Do I need Jesus? Yes. But we live in a culture that celebrates um, really... The ability to do whatever you darn well want. Even if it's hurtful. But like you do you, honey boo boo. Yeah, look at you go. (laughs) Woo! And you're like, no, you can't tell me what to do. You can't say, mm, I'm going to go and do my thing. And and we we celebrate that. People want to, they want that. They want to be praised. Regardless of if it's a wise or foolish decision. So, So we have to start there. And I simply want to ask the question, how's that working out for you? It's that Dr. Phil moment. Because you're over here, I know, because I do it as well, right? We're over here building our kingdom. And all the while, God's kingdom is already established. And he's like, we got room. Come on. We got room for one more. Let's go. Let's go. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm going to build my kingdom, my life, my hobbies, my house, my cars, my kids, my desires, my, 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 my. And what happens? It's like a deck of cards, man. That thing's going to fall. It always does. And Jesus is over here going, hello. There's a better way. There's a better way. So we have to address the values of society first, right? Second one, what do you do? He explained who God is and what he does. So when I'm talking with people, I need to tell them, look, look, you have to understand that God loves you and he has died and forgiven you. And if you put your faith in him, this is John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. But it's bigger than that. And it's better than that because God wants to help you Today. Mom and dad who are struggling and have no idea what to do with your children, Jesus wants to speak to that. He wants to give you peace that it is not all up to you because he loves them far more than you and I could. And I know you hear that, but he wants you to trust that. Those of you that your marriage is hanging on by a thread, Jesus goes, I I know how to solve this. I I know how to fix this. You just need to trust me in this and, and apply what I'm talking about. You have kids, you have prodigal sons and daughters that are way off. They're living their own life. And Jesus goes, I can, I can speak to that. You have people that are online and they're asking all these questions and trying to get their worldview by Google and whatever society says. And it's like, I, I, I can help you with that. Those are flawed. I, I can help you with this. See, we need to tell people that God does not just forgive their sins and prepare eternity with them when they die. Our Jesus wants an intimate relation with us, relationship with us today. I have help, I have guidance, I have wisdom, I have power for you today. You don't have to wait for death. We can start now. That, my friends, that becomes very relevant to people. Especially to high school students that are struggling, that are depressed, that are anxious and overwhelmed. And have no idea what they're supposed to do given their life and what is on social media. The third one is this. He refers to their cultural influences or influencers. Speaks the language of the people. Let me give you an example from the great prophet Taylor Swift. This is important. You've heard this, right? Because players going to play, 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 play. And the haters going to hate, 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 hate. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I shake it off. I... Yeah, so you know the cultural influencers too, don't you? And you also know there's one more. Keep going. Heartbreakers going to break, 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 break. And the fakers, what are they going to do? They're going to fake, 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 fake. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I shake it off. I shake it off. Now, no disrespect to Taylor. Phenomenal song ridiculously catchy because you're going to leave not remembering anything I said, but you're going to really, you know, yeah. But here's, here's the deal. Um, how many of us growing up, we had an adult, a parent, an authority figure, a coach, a pastor say something about us or to us that well into adulthood, we're still trying to reconcile. We're still trying to heal from. How many of you have had a, a, a close relationship with somebody and that relationship was destroyed and it left you devastated inside? There are things in life, my friends, that you can't just shake, 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 shake it off. Do you want to know how I know? I've tried. It didn't work. Hater's going to hate, 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 so just shake it off. Can I, can I show you a better way? See, what Jesus says, you don't just shake things off. You you forgive. You don't... You, shaking off is getting over something. And, and you and I both know this. You don't get over it. You just bury it further down, right? And then something will happen in life and boom, you erupt like a volcano. But Jesus says, no, 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 let, let's deal with it. Let's resolve it. And we're going to do it with forgiveness. So that when you see that person at church, at the grocery store, in line, at schools, you're dropping your kids off, something doesn't ignite inside of you. He says, Well, I'll show you how to forgive. But Jesus is too painful. He goes, I, I know. I'll show you. And he takes it even a step further. He says, I don't want you just to forgive people that have hurt you and done you wrong. your haters. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. This is, this doesn't work. And we know this intuitively. But But what do you do when this doesn't work? Well, we wake up the next day and we try, try, try again, don't we? When I'm having spiritual conversations with people, we start here. How's life going? Can I show you a better way? It's found in Jesus. And I know there are some things, and we'll give it time. He's very patient with me. He'll be very patient with you. The resurrection, the virgin birth, we'll get there. But but can I tell you that there's a God who loves you and wants to have a relationship with you? And he wants to show you how to thrive in this life in the middle of the circumstances that you find yourself in. He wants to speak to that. that. Listen, this takes the gospel and makes it incredibly relevant and not just good news for when we die. Okay, two more things. Number four, he shares the gospel, right? He shares the gospel. He says, look, you're inconsistent with your own values and beliefs. You're inconsistent with God's values and beliefs. There will be a judgment. We have to work on that. Jesus said, look, the measure you use to judge people, it's going to be used against you. But you have a God that loves you so much that he died on the cross. See, there's the resurrection. We got it in right there. If you believe in him, not just intellectually, but you you trust him with your whole life, your, your sins are forgiven. Do you know what that's like walking around without that? It's wonderful. And the fifth one, right? He shares the resurrection as proof to back up his claims. He goes, look, I know, the resurrection, I get it. It can be complicated. It can be difficult. But I believe this not because the Bible said, not because I grew up being taught this. I believe this because of the experience I've had with Jesus. And listen, there were a group of people that watched him die and then saw him three days later. You have eyewitnesses. This is a historical event. And I'm telling you, if a man can predict his death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm going to follow that guy. Come to find out, he's been true the whole time. The way that he says to love one another is the right way. But I've tried it. There are some things that I'm still working on. He's still trying to change some things in me. But, but he's been right all along. And it has made my life better. So here's what I want for us. I want us to continue to be a church that leads with sharing the gospel. But, but we're, not, we're not just evangelizing. We are building disciples. I'm helping people become students of Jesus so that they can learn to live their life like Jesus would live their life. That, that in their marriage, it would be so... It's not just, oh, forgiveness of sins in my marriage. It's God give me wisdom of how to communicate. I do not want to ask for forgiveness. I don't think I'm to blame. I mean, I know I'm not perfect, but come on. And Jesus goes, no, we'll work with that. You have some areas we need to smooth out. He wants to walk with us every day. So I I don't ever want us to be a people that just trust him with eternity and our salvation, but we trust him with Monday. And all that comes with Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and so on. So Father God, to that odd... To that end, not odd, to that end, Lord, would you help us? God, I want to be a person that trusts you with every aspect of my life. God, with my faith, would you help me build my faith to the point that I believe you and I follow you even when it doesn't make sense? And Lord, I'm trusting today that when I do that, I will see the blessings. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room that intellectually believes in you and they're excited for eternity when they die, but they have zero relationship with you and they do not trust you for the day-to-day things, I pray, Lord, that right now, on this Sunday, that they would step over that line and say, Jesus, you can have my life. Lead me where I need to go. Teach me in the areas that I'm lacking. Show me where I can do a better job of loving. Show me, Jesus, who I am and why I'm here on earth and what I'm supposed to do. We've tried a lot of different things, Lord, and they don't work. So I pray, Father, that the the work you've done in us, would that be the story that we share? May your church be known for the hope that we give people today and in eternity. We'll work with sin. We'll cover that eventually when the conversation happens, God. But may your church be known simply as people that love one another so much that we have conversations of how you can help in life. And we will give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. We thank you. As a church, we pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close? We're going to sing one final song.